1: Based on everything we know about Kevin O'Connell, who's the quarterback that he's going to be highest on relative to everybody else? Might not be the guy you're thinking. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast. You like it on three, one, two, three, you it? You
0: are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: Hello there, my little baby gremlins, and welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, where we're always trying to learn something new. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and thank you so much to those of you who put up with me every single day. My hashtag every day is I love you all very, very much. And if you are new here, hello, my name is Luke. It's not going to get any less weird. Uh, you can find the show wherever you find your favorite podcasts, whether it is an audio listening place like XM, uh, you XM. Uh, we're partnered with them. You can find us on the SiriusXM XM app as well as live broadcasts, for home broadcasts of like all sports games. So search out like Timberwolves or whatever. You can listen to Timberwolves games on the radio via SiriusXM. XM. You can also find the show on YouTube or Amazon, Fire, and Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Today on the show, we're starting quarterbacks. We're starting draft quarterbacks, all right? So, uh, good luck <laughs> There's Six quarterbacks that I want to do a deep dive on, dedicate a whole show on uh, before we find out about Kirk Cousins, because I want to have a good context for that decision. And part of the context for the Kirk Cousins decision is what do you do about Kirk? Uh, or what, how do you feel about the quarterbacks coming out in the draft? If there's three or four of them that you think are awesome, it gets a lot easier to let Kirk walk than if there's maybe one guy and he's going to go second overall. And you're like, I don't know, I don't know if I can do this with J.J. With McCarthy. Right. But today we're not talking about J.J. McCarthy. I haven't actually watched him yet. Uh, but we are going to talk about Michael Penix Jr. If you are a Luke Braun NFL patron, you already know how I feel about Michael Penix. I already posted a one-hour video about him, as well as an article at Wide Left about some of the stuff I'm going to talk to you about today. Of course, a lot more detail in that, so go check that out. But the 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 goal of this show is not going to be like to put a grade on Michael Penix. That's not going to be a thing you get on this show. This is this is a draft time on Locked On Vikings. Is for people who don't need grades to have an opinion. Uh, you shouldn't have to quantify, right? You shouldn't have to put a B plus or a B minus on it to understand how you feel about. Well, you know, he's got this accuracy issue, but he's aggressive, but he's this, but he's that. Um, which are two things about. Michael Penix that are, like, really key to understanding him. I want you to understand Michael Penix. So Whatever your grade you put on him after that is on you. You shouldn't need me to tell you what your grade should be. You should have your own, and I'll tell you what the the pile of traits that he is, and you come up with your own, and whatever that is, that's you. So, Michael Penix, Washington quarterback, uh, he's a lefty. That's a thing. He throws really, really weird, and it's not just that he's a lefty. He has a lot of things about his throw that are, like, not normal that are um very uh a I will say atypical to be nice. And he was a great guy. So the the wide left series that I'm doing is quarterback traits or not traits like like facets of quarterback play as exemplified by quarterbacks that you know are good in some of those areas and bad in some of those areas and and you know using the draft quarterbacks is kind of a, a guy to learn on right. And I did biomechanics with Michael Penix. Because penixes are so weird. Um, When he throws, there's all kinds of stuff with his throwing motion that is, I don't want to use the word wrong. Because with throwing motions, there is something to like, you can be outside the norm and if it works, it works. There's a quote I used in there from a a great golf instructor uh, that just is like, golf is where the ball goes. And I used golf as like a comparison because I actually think there's a lot of similarities here. But golf is where the ball goes. Golf is determined not necessarily by how good your swing is. If you got that thing down the fairway in 280 yards, you did fine, right? Uh, that It doesn't matter how it looked or how it came off. It can go out into a tree, and if it bounces right and it gets there, like that still counts. And there is something to that, even though I, I do prefer, you know, Process over results, and examining process can help explain the results, and we can learn more from process than we can from results. At the end of the day, horseshoes and hand grenades, right? Like it, it matters if you are accurate. And Michael Penix is not consistently accurate. He is of the six. The he and and, and Drake May are the two that you would argue have the worst accuracy, just like by the numbers. I think that there there's issues with that, right? But if you want to do like depth adjusted accuracy and stuff like that, what you get with Penix is a lot of nasty misses, a lot of misses that like bug you a lot. For example, he he was I think two hundredth something like two hundred second or something like that among all college quarterbacks. This is PFF data among all college quarterbacks in uncatchable rate. Like, how many of his passes are so inaccurate that they're uncatchable? He was a little better in just, like, raw accuracy. But it's like, when he misses, he misses bad. Why is that? And that goes back to the throwing motion. So, the whole, like, Philip Rivers is a great example. Philip Rivers had a wonky throwing motion. And the problem with his throwing motion was that he dipped the ball below the belt when he did his windup. And typically, you would not do that. If you saw a fourteen-year-old quarterback doing that, and you were trying—you were a high school coach, you're trying to work with them—you would tell them, "Don't bring the ball back that far." By the time you're in the pros and you're Phillip Rivers and you're getting all pros, oh my god, whatever. <laughs> but uh, that's 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 not, uh, we'll say, the uh, accepted throwing motion the accepted throwing motion. The reason for that one is the lower the ball goes, the easier it is to get stripped sack. But also when you uncork that thing and you get ready to throw, you want that uh, that whole process to be as fast as possible because you want the decision to throw and the actual act of throwing to take up as little time as possible, to give you as much time as possible to think and make your decision, and then, you know, as, as much time as possible to get the ball where it is supposed to go. You don't want any stupid delays like weird, wonky things. That takes only a fraction of a second, but a fraction of a second matters a lot when it comes to precision, timing, rhythm passing, which is what you get in the NFL. So with Rivers, it worked out fine because he could just zing that thing and he could kind of make up the lost time with velocity. <laughs> Like, that works, right? Uh, And by making quick decisions and stuff like that, like, he made it work. He overcame that, and he could always deliver the ball accurately. With Penix, if he's not delivering the ball accurately, what do we do with that? And I think for Penix, it's really difficult to also, like, to, to examine that because so many of his passes were just... One-on-one balls to like Romo Dunze, who could always win that and come down with it and do crazy things. And some of these really dropped into a beautiful bucket over tight-ish coverage. And it just looked like the perfect pass DB couldn't make a a play on it. Some of them were genuine 50-50 jump balls. And those Washington receivers went up and got them. There is something to that that I think is really difficult. Th- this is where you kind of have to decide for yourself how you feel about that. Anybody can watch Washington play and say there were a lot of one-on-one balls. That is the objective fact, you know, of the matter. Like, that, that is an inarguable sentence. They threw a lot of jump balls one-on-one, and that's kind of how their offense functioned. The subjective part comes when you have to decide how much you're bothered by that fact. If you're bothered at all, maybe you think it's a good thing. And I, I think... There is, there's something to, I mean, what you'll always hear is like, well, yeah, like he was throwing to really great wide receivers, so so Penix didn't have to be good, or some version of that logic, but I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, because if you, you're not trying to prove that you're the best quarterback in the world in college football, you're trying to win college football games. If, if Mike Penix wanted to, you know, maximize his draft stock, he probably would have targeted his best receivers less, right? To prove that, you know, hey, I can do it without those guys, right? But you're never going to see that. He's going to try to win games, and you win games by giving opportunities to your best players. If you put a really good quarterback in that situation, do you think he'd play it differently? That is the question I think you need to, a- to answer for yourself, And yeah, there is a world where a really good quarterback sees Justin Jefferson covered and progresses onward to the next guy, finds someone who's more open and finds an easier throw. There's also a world. Where someone sees Justin Jefferson covered and says, I know better than than to think that he's covered just because there's a guy there and throws it up on fourth and 18. Right. Like there's there's that that was a decision that was a good decision that Kirk Cousins made in that Bills game a couple years ago. And so I don't know if I necessarily blame him for that. And the reason I started the way I did, and this is the reason that I think Kevin O'Connell will love Michael Penix, is that O'Connell loves aggression. He loves that kind of aggression, that that willingness to throw deep even if it's gone poorly for you, right? Even if you've been picked up picked off a couple times, um you'll still throw that 50-50 one-on-one ball. You'll throw that dangerous post with the safety lurking because you think you can make it there. I think that mentality really really vibes with O'Connell. And so I think if we are in the world, like I don't think anybody sees Penix as like a top five guy or anything, but if we are in that world where the you know the the, the guys that you really wanted are gone, the Jaden Daniels and Williams and Drake Mays are are all are taken in the top five, uh, and you're sitting there at, at pick 11 and you're like, I got to pick a guy, I could see Kevin O'Connell being okay with that. I could also see Kevin O'Connell being okay with passing on him and then trading back up into the end of the first round for him, which is more where people are projecting him to go. Um, but either way, I, I see O'Connell being really drawn to that trait. And the question has to be, are we okay with those accuracy issues? Which I, to to answer that, we have to look at why there are accuracy issues. Today's episode of Lockdown Vikings is brought to you by Linkedin Jobs. You may be thinking to yourself, how can I make 2024 that that year where my small business really took the next step and, went and got to the next level. And that might mean a new hire. But new hires are inherently risky propositions. You have to invest a lot of time and money into onboarding them, into the hiring process, into bringing them in. And if you rush through that process and you get the wrong person, that investment goes to waste. So don't think about cutting any corners, but LinkedIn can help you streamline that that process without cutting corners. They will give you access to more than a billion professionals. It is a vast network, more than just a job board, and 86% of businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn understands that you need someone that is right for your business and your business specifically, which is going to be different than all the other businesses in your same world. You have your own culture and your own needs, and it's not a cookie cutter situation. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are and, and people who do hiring for them are usually wearing so many hats that you can't dedicate your whole day to hiring, so they want to help you out. With LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy, and you can post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Today's episode is also brought to you by DoorDash. DoorDash is an especially clutch thing to do, especially if if you're watching a game Uh, perhaps a very important football game that's going to happen next week or maybe a basketball game or a hockey game or whatever. You don't want to get up in the middle of that, like go out and get food, go cooking. Uh, Why don't you just uh, enter it in on DoorDash? Plus, DoorDash can help get you hooked up with some of the local like mom and pop joints around your area that you would otherwise have never crossed paths with. So go to the DoorDash app and you can get 50% off for up to a $10 value when you spend 15 or more on your first order. Just download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKED23. Subject to change, change, terms apply. Once again, that's 50% off, up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKED23. Thanks so much for making Locked on Vikings your first listen of the day each and every day. I appreciate you all so very much. For your second listen, when you're done here, uh, you can go find the Michael Penix video breakdown where I go over a lot of the stuff that I've talked about in this and you can see like visuals on it, which of course I can't do, especially for those of you who just listen to this, uh, who listen to this in your cars or whatever. But I also, I can't show like film and stuff. So go to Patreon where I can do that. And uh, also check out the Locked On Minnesota Sports 24-7 YouTube stream, 24-7 Minnesota Sports Talk. Flick that thing on in the background and forget about it so you can get informed on all of your favorite Minnesota sports teams news big stories game recaps all that good stuff okay so what is actually wrong with the way that Michael Penix throws if Philip Rivers can get away with a wonky throw why can't Mike Penix get away with a wonky throw and i and i honestly think that that is the answer to that is a certain athleticism um that that Rivers had that Penix just doesn't but that I you can only speculate about that, you can only ever guess about that. But here's here's what is wrong with the way that Michael Penix throws, at least compared to the kind of by the book throwing motion that you want to have. Um, when you wind up to throw for one, you want your shoulder, your shoulders or your, your feet about shoulder width apart, which I actually, I don't love the shoulder width apart thing because that's not going to be comfortable for everybody. Like a, a lot of people will have a wider base or a narrower base and it's kind of what's comfortable f- for you. But again, by the book is, is shoulder width, but I'm not going to freak out if it's not by, if it's not shoulder width. Um, and you want to like step your toes, uh, you want to, you want to step into it, right? That's you want to step into the throw. So you want your weight to be on your back foot and then shift into your front foot as you throw. That's where all of your power comes from. When you are a quarterback that weighs 200 pounds or whatever, that's 200 pounds of, of leverage, 200 pounds of force that goes behind that throw that generates a lot of power. But that power is nothing compared to the way that the human body really uh, can generate power in terms of propelling a thing forward is the same thing it is for all the other sports that involve pushing a ball forward a large distance like golf or baseball. It's torque. Your body doesn't want to be twisted up. All right? There were some people in medieval times that really took advantage of that. Your body does not want to be twisted. So if you twist it up a whole bunch, it's gonna untwist like a rubber band and it's and that force is the best force your body can generate uh, in terms of like creating a forward motion, right? Like that is going to be the most violent possible way to get that, that ball going forward. And your arm is more of a guiding force than it is like a, like a power thing. So when you hear arm strength and it's like, you know, how can people work on arm strength? That was a question that I got like, uh, you know, Twitter Tuesday, a couple of weeks ago, if I recall it, can, can arm strength be a thing that, you know, quarterbacks work on and The answer to that, I mean, you know, you can try to get better at anything, right? But the answer to that is, of like, how is not to lift more weights with that arm. Like, I'm sure that doesn't hurt, but really the way to generate more power behind your throws is to be able to get more torque and more flexibility. And this is the first thing that um, we lose, I think, with Penix, where when he throws... Watch his front foot. Like you can go find go find the national championship highlights and all the throws that he did, and watch his front foot every single time. It'll slip back a little bit, and you'll see this. Now that I'm like keyed on noticing it, I actually notice it on a lot of quarterbacks, and I notice it a lot on quarterback throws that go poorly. Uh, Like you, you can look at that and say, "Oh, that thing might not be accurate." But with Penix, if you just look at his foot and watch it if it slips back or not, then pause the video before the the pass is caught. You will bat like nine out of 10 on whether or not that pass was accurate. (laughs) Like, you'll do real good on that. Um, He does deliver some accurate balls off-platform and stuff. Like, he can do that. But that foot slip is um, really telltale. And think about what that means, right? If your foot in a cleat in the ground is sliding backwards... That means there's not a lot of weight on it. So when you're throwing through, trying to you know follow through on your throw, when you're trying to shift that weight, that tells me his weight is not shifting. His weight is staying on that back foot, which means every throw might as well be a fadeaway jumper. So of course he's pretty good at fadeaway jumpers. He does it every time. He has a lot of practice. But on the whole, he has an accuracy, uh, like a, a data set of accuracy That makes more sense for a quarterback that throw that's like if you just took his off platform throws. Penix is just an off platform thrower all the time, and that's just a bad habit. Not in the way that like Jordan Love will be an off platform thrower all the time, and he can make those throws or you know Mahomes more consistently, right? Uh, And and Jordan Love tries to be that Pat Mahomes off platform thrower, and sometimes it works, and sometimes you throw a game losing interception to Dre Greenlaw. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. But when you live in that world, that off-platform world, you, it's just harder to be consistent, and nobody can be consistent as much as they can be when they really step into that thing and, um, you know, deliver the way that they're supposed to deliver. So there, there, it, it tells you that the weight shift is wrong, and because your weight isn't, like, going through and you're not, that means that you're not powering that untwisting, that torque, in the same way that you, you do when you've got a proper base. So that means it's all arm. And at that point you might as well just lift a whole bunch of weights in your arm because you're not getting the power you need to get out of your body. So you will see passes that do not have the arm strength that they need to have. But that again, it's not like a physical uh, uh, issue. It is a, a torque issue. And this is the, the athleticism that I'm talking about is not arm bicep. You know, it doesn't, I'm not saying do more curls. It's a flexibility that he doesn't, I don't think he necessarily has. Um, to really like torque those things through Uh, another thing that I will see uh in a lot of Penix misses and this is just about every throw of his uh is the arm angle is improper again according to by the book now some guys do just throw without a perfect arm angle that ain't weird right you see it a lot and guys can make a living doing that and that's fine um, they just are not going to be as accurate, but it might not be so much of an issue that they, you know, can't make it in the NFL, right? It might just be a few misses here and there. But if you watch Peyton Manning throw, like go, just go to one of the goats, right? Go to Peyton Manning, go to Tom Brady. Um, and you will see that the ball comes in high over their head and the elbow you want to essentially be like pointing at the target. So that when the, the ball, like the kind of trebuchet of your arm flicks forward, the elbow has already kind of pointed it in the right direction. If your arm is out and wide, that ball is going to like hook, can hook back around. It it can, um, like there are points in your release now where if you release it too early, it's going to you know, sail wide because your arm is so wide. And if you release it so late, your arm has started to hook back and you're going to miss to the inside. And he actually misses to the inside a lot when he's really, really hooking that ball outside. So what you want is for your arm to be straight, your elbow to point to the target. And then just because of the the makeup of your arm, that means that when the ball is like kind of at its apex of the throw, it'll be just above your helmet, which is a good thing to look for is the ball just above his helmet. You'll see it's kind of low. Um, that, all adds up to some inaccuracy. So we have this aggression and we have this inaccuracy. He's also, I haven't mentioned this yet, but it's important, he's torn up both his knees and he is uh older, an older prospect because he's had like some medical redshirt stuff and of course a lot of these kids are going to come out older in these like few drafts because we're hitting covid kids now, right? Like these kids a lot of these guys lost a year of college to the pandemic, and therefore their whole thing is going to be a little bit delayed. So it's going to be like weird on on the data and talking about old players and, and why that matters, why that couldn't matter, why the covid thing matters is, is going to be an important part of Penix's evaluation. So that's what we're going to get to next. Today's Locked on Vikings episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. It is. A great time to get involved with some daily fantasy. You can sneak one more game in. You can do a little bit of a Super Bowl play, but you can combine it with basketball. So things are definitely not over for prize picks. Of course, they are always in season. You can combine football and basketball specials. For example, LeBron James and Travis Kelsey combine uh, 10 and a half three-point shots and receptions. So, you know, a huge game from uh Travis Kelsey in the Super Bowl could uh, you know, carry that whole thing. And all you gotta do is say like more than or less than. Two, you could say less than and say, I don't think Travis Kelsey's gonna have a huge day. And it'll be impossible for LeBron James to get that many three-pointers. You can have all kinds of fun with that. Just pick two to six or your favorite players or combinations. And uh, just decide whether they will do better or worse than their prize picks projections. That's everything from receptions and touchdowns and yards to fantasy points. It's not your your, your classic daily fantasy where you're just putting a bunch of names on a list and entering a huge pool with a bunch of people, which I find excruciatingly boring. So I've been having all kinds of fun with prize picks this year. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL, code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100.
0: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.
1: So there's a few tertiary things with Michael Penix that we need to examine. And one of the big ones is age, right? So the Vikings have an analytics GM. That's a big thing. And so these um, sort of outside factors that are more measurable like age very measurable very objective no arguing over how old a prospect is when they enter the league right age height weight that kind of stuff have been like the more objective and measurable it is the more that analytics will have to say about it right because it's so much easier to study so you're going to have a lot of a lot of studies on it And with age, there is irrefutable evidence that older prospects do worse than younger prospects. And the reasons for this, if you think about it, are fairly intuitive. If you are a 24-year-old college player and you're dunking on 19-year-olds because they haven't even, like, finished growing yet that maybe doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be the best NFL prospect, right? When everybody's your age and your level of athleticism, there might be some, uh, some something tricking you there, right? There might be a little bit of fool's gold there with that. And the other thing is, if you're 24 years old, if you went through five years of college, and you could have declared for the draft three years ago, but you didn't, why didn't you declare for the draft? Now, that's not always going to apply. There are some people who... Just say, ah, you know, I I played for for you know Alabama this year. I felt like we had some unfinished business. We should have won that Michigan game. I'm going to go back to school. We're going to give it one more shot, right? Like, there's that, right? I guess not at Bama because everybody's leaving Bama right now. But you get what I mean. Maybe maybe Texas is a better example there. Like, there, there will be schools like that every year where you say, no, I got unfinished business. I feel like we can actually make a run at this, and I'm going to go back because I love my my teammates, right? Like, that's the thing that, that actually happens. Uh, there is also... I got hurt and I don't feel like my draft stock is very good. You know, I got hurt in my, in what would have been my, my final year. And if I went out for the draft, nobody saw me play, I wouldn't get drafted. I want to see if I can put together a healthy year and do that. Um, or I talk to the people who, like, there's a board of people, I forget what they're called, but that uh, will tell draft prospects, what, where they think that they will get drafted and say, yeah, we, we, we project that you will be a third round pick. If you went into the draft, we talked to some people, they said you're about a third rounder. So how do you feel about that? And you go, okay, third rounder. Maybe I declare and I say third round is pretty good. I will probably make the team, we'll make some money. Uh, or you say, that's not good enough. I wanna be a first rounder. I'm gonna go back to school and I'm gonna get another go. Um, that first one where they're just like, I love my teammates, I think is rarer than what they will tell you. Like they'll all say if they go back to school, you know, I got unfinished business, blah, blah, blah. Happy to be back in the program and all that. Of course, they'll put that in their statements, but I think a lot of them are just not happy with where they're going to be in the draft for one reason or another. So when you get a guy that, whether it was because he got hurt a whole bunch, which is part of his evaluation, or just wasn't that good, and then he runs out of years of eligibility and he comes out for the draft you might not be so happy with it, right? And if that guy who just kind of sucked for a while and then suddenly he played, got to play one year when he was 24 and dunk on a bunch of 19-year-olds and then that guy comes out into the NFL and sucks. It happens all the time. So you got to be wary of that. So the question of, okay, why is he declaring older is is something like, for example, Jaron Hall came out really old, but that's because he spent two years at a mission. <laughs> like this different situation, right? Uh, and, and that context is really important. With Penix, it's very much that he got hurt. And because he tore his ACL twice, and I believe it was the same knee, if I'm not mistaken, he tore his ACL twice. And, uh, that robbed him of seasons and he wanted to get a good, full, healthy season in. And he did made it all the way to the, uh, college football championship game. Um, that may have put him into the first round, right? Uh, there was a lot of hype after that sugar bowl against Texas, where it was such a good game. So with that, uh, you can sort of see that the age question is just the injury question in in a in a costume. That, that's the way that I feel about it. So the, the question of this dude tore his ACL twice, how do we feel about that? It is very, very legitimate. Once you have torn your ACL twice, once you've kind of had that damage to your knee, there is just going to be a greater risk of further damage to your knee. Nothing you can do about it. Um That is just a thing you have to be wary of and part of the risk you take on. So with that, and the idea that maybe he's not that accurate of a quarterback, but he's aggressive and he understands how to, you know, put place, like you you saw him place trust in a superstar wide receiver. So bringing him into the team that has Justin Jefferson, you, you at least see that fit. What kind of evaluation do you put on that guy? Here's where I leave you. All right. This is where the Sherpa goes no further. Uh, you, you, the rest of the, the mountain is yours to climb from there. Um, but I can see Kevin O'Connell looking past some of that stuff saying I can fix him, right? I can fix his technique. I'm a quarterbacks guy. And I like that he has the mindset. And we, you know, we'll try to get him to do that mindset. For a, a, a more full analysis of Michael Penix, again, go to the Patreon video. I did not talk about everything on this show that I talk about in that video. So if you want more, you want visuals, go check that out. Go check out the Wide Left piece. I will link both of them in the show description. So uh, yell at me if I don't, I might forget. I should plug my own stuff, but I might forget. So <laughs> uh, good luck. And uh, we'll, we'll keep doing this with other quarterbacks, but there's one of them, one down, five to go. All right, I'll see y'all next time. And as always, skull.
0: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.